Hola amiga, welcome to the Amiga Arise podcast. I'm Priscilla Gomez, your host and hopefully an amiga for a journey of learning, growing, and thriving. I'm a licensed clinical therapist with a trauma history of my own, but I was transformed by the call that God has placed on my life. And I'm here to share how the clinical world taught me how to begin my healing process, but ultimately only God was able to heal the darkest areas of my past. Amiga, I know you are smart, driven, successful, and ambitious, but yet there seems to be something missing. You might be wondering why peace and joy are lacking in your life. Amiga, welcome. I can bet you have walked through some dark paths yourself, and maybe you're wondering if God is even real or why suffering exists or what your true purpose is here on earth. Amiga, I hear you. But if you're ready to take a deeper look, find freedom, and step into flourishing God's way, I'm here to lend a helping hand as you step into your healing and your faith-filled life. So open up that journal, pop in those AirPods, and take a deep breath. We're about to embark on a beautiful journey of arising to your true self. Welcome back, Amiga. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode two of Amiga Arise podcast, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about trauma and trauma cycles. Now that you know a little bit about my story and how I got to this place and this profession of helping others, you know, heal emotional wounds, you know it's deeply rooted in mine. It started off kind of as a selfish ambitious and desire to learn more about my own processing and coping and then really believing that I had kind of conquered this whole, I don't know, get together, put it together kind of look, right? Like I had polished that out and I was like, I I got through college with flying colors. Um, <laughs> not, right? I ended up with more trauma, more alcohol abuse, more performing and perfecting, and then projecting my feelings onto others. We'll talk a little bit more about projecting in a different episode, but to circle back to trauma, I want to introduce you to this therapeutic model that I had mentioned in episode one called restoration therapy, which a colleague of mine introduced me to years ago, but I don't think I was ready for this model. And I really got to understand it in depth last year when I was really surrendering everything um, to God. And I took a couple courses and I, let me tell you, this is a game changer. This model, I was like, why did I not learn about this in grad school? Dr. Terry Hargarv, or Hargarv, I don't know how I'm I'm pronouncing his last name, um, uses all the therapeutic models that are already out there. um, Cognitive behavior therapy, mindfulness, right? So he just brings all the tools together, all the science that we already have about the effectiveness of restoring and re-healing um, some incorrections in our cognitive thinking and feeling. In his theory, he calls it restoration therapy because we're restoring, and he talks about these two cycles, operating from a place of pain and operating from a place of peace, as I mentioned in episode one. And Dr. Terry is a professor at Fuller Seminary and he's been working this model, I don't know how long, but it's one of the newer models, but it's getting a lot of traction and a lot of uh, response because it works. And he's actually, him and his wife have opened up this um, knowledge and this approach even to churches and 
how to work it into a group system and just helping under people understand how to navigate and move from from pain to peace and and so i want to break it down for you a little further and i'm going to use myself as an example so that you can understand and if you have more questions please reach out and i'd be happy to talk to you about it but i will also put um his website and his wife's website on the show notes so you can follow along there's some great youtubes and you can just learn more about them so ultimately dr terry talks about as children right we we all need love and trust that's really what enables us to to flourish and to grow in in our infancy we we cannot survive without our parents love and trust we trust that they're going to feed us clothe us um change us and we need love we need love we need interactions social interactions from our caregivers we are social beings without it we literally can die right as an infant um if you've ever heard of failure to thrive is a syndrome in in infants correct if you haven't heard about it it's when a baby is not thriving right the exact opposite they are regressing in their behavior they're not growing they are losing weight there's some very evident things happening in their body when they're not of course when they're not being fed that can happen but if they're not being loved touched carried sang to all these things we need and we have science to back it up now as i had mentioned in episode one the book that i referenced was the book the boy that was raised as a dog by dr bruce perry also talks about this in his book so uh, again another note that i'll put in the show notes if you are interested in the psychology and the science behind the need for love to build those neurons in our in our brain and in our body so that we can thrive later in life right so if we can have a potential failure failure to thrive in infancy that can definitely continue into childhood adolescence and adulthood in different ways right not everyone has these extreme exposures to neglect and abuse but what dr terry does talk about is that we all do have some exposure to a violation of of love or trust meaning that our parents are human and our parents did the best they could with what they had they didn't meet the 100% love aspect and the 100% trust aspect right doesn't mean that they're bad parents it just means that there were times maybe not in infancy maybe in young childhood where we felt unloved or unsafe in their presence or because of an experience we've had their reaction to it we as in as children had that response for example my own experience when it comes to the violations of love and trust in my upbringing my safety was violated with my abuse in childhood right and then i talked about not feeling loved or seen because i felt like my parents hadn't done something to to prevent it to intervene although they didn't know about it right so those two things are my biggest triggers lack of safety and lack of worthiness 
and I can feel those still to this day at different points in my life for different reasons, not because I'm being attacked sexually or physically um, or because someone's like outright shaming me or, you know, making um, fun of me or my story. I can feel these in in snapshots of different interactions with people, not because that's their intention to do so, but because these are the underlining blueprints of the violations, my core violations of love and trust at a very young age. So Dr. Terry really talks about if we're operating out of a place of pain, then we've really attached ourselves to these core feeling words. I talked about my core violations, right? Core violations of love and core violations of trust. But then in response to, as a child, as an adult, we can attach ourselves to these core feelings. I'm unloved and I am unsafe, right? Those are my two feeling words, which are true to the extent that something did happen to me, right? That something did violate that. But the coreness of who I am is that's the incorrection or that's the correction we need to make that's um, in our thought process and in our being and something we have to come to terms with. Like I had to make cognitive decision and I relate this to my experience with surrendering everything to Jesus. But there has to be an underlining current of saying, I am truly loved. I, I am safe here, now, today, in this interaction with this person, in this scenario when our, I'm starting a new podcast and everything seems to be out of my control. It's not true, right? I have a lot of control in this in this process but also those are just feelings that my my being so to speak would like to attach itself to and they're lies they're absolute lies and from a spiritual perspective dr terry and his wife talk about how we can use this in our spiritual walk as well right we can identify these as lies lies from the enemy and the lies of the enemy can come in early on as he did for me as a child right like look you're not loved look you're not seen you're not safe that's an awful way to operate out of and an awful way to live life if you constantly believe that the world around you is unsafe and harming and not loving not to negate what people go through and the traumas that we experience of course they're real they happen but they're also, for the most part, episodic. It happens once or twice in a period of time. And I'm not trying to diminish anyone's pain. That is not my intention here. And as a therapist, that is never my approach when it comes to someone expressing their pain and telling me what they've been through. I, I know personally and through the academic learning that negating people's pain does not help them process their pain. What they live through is absolutely possibly horrific and horrendous and the way they're processing really feels like it's taking over their body. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Feels like it's taking over your body. It doesn't have to take over your body. And sure, when we're operating out of that pain, we can go into these unhealthy cyclical coping patterns, which I talked about in episode one. So for me, when I felt 
these feelings of unsafe and unloved unworthiness or when I was operating out of attaching myself to these core feeling words my main coping skill and mechanism was to withdraw blame myself and shame myself perform and perfect like I talked about before which sometimes also looked like defensiveness and judgment of others like oh, they think they have it all together, right? Because, again, I was projecting how I was feeling. But because I was trying so hard to protect the inner depths of my pain. And then when I'm feeling unloved, I can I can kind of become inwardly angry. I, I never really outwardly showed my anger. People weren't very aware. Like I said, I was a pretty love, kind, gentle teenager. And I was that also in adulthood in my adolescence I didn't didn't outwardly outlash like I mentioned in episode one my lashing out was very inward so I would become angry at myself blaming sometimes others for how they were acting or behaving towards me and sometimes I would just continue to punish myself like well that's what you get Priscilla for doing this well or why even try to do better just continue doing what you're doing it's working right creating this cyclical pattern um and very kind of a nasty voice that i had in my head for a very long time now dr terry talks about how this is just very normal for a coping mechanism he divides these two categories into two ways to to coping with them and then Um, Again, I'm going to link this in the show notes so you can have a visual for it. But if we have a violation of love, you know, and we feel unloved, we tend to go into our flight or fight mode, right? Um, Which we've probably already heard about when we're in survival mode. We fight, flight, or freeze. Um, We have a new one now called fold, which is kind of like freeze. But anyways, we won't get too much into those. But... Dr. Terry talks about if you're in fight mode and you're feeling unloved, you likely are to blame, right? So that can look like anger, sarcasm, threatening, you hold grudges, you want to punish yourself or others. And if you're in flight mode, if you're trying to avoid the feeling of not feeling loved, you could go into shame feelings, right? So that can be depression, isolation, um, negative, whining, hyper anxious, manipulative um, and very egocentric pouty kind of like what i talked about in my own experience now if we go to the unsafe or violations of trust then our fight and flight go into two different categories again right if we're in fight mode when we feel unsafe we can go into control let's control the situation let's go into perfectionism performing aka myself, (laughs) Um, defensive, demanding, critical, and over-intellectualizing. I didn't talk about that one for me, but that's a big one for me. I can become very critical of other people, of myself, and then I try to really over-intellectualize, which I try to do as I was learning about trauma and entered this field, right? It was about me intellectualizing my hurt rather than actually processing my hurt. I can go into lecturing and judgment. I'm a little guilty of that as well. 
So this is all under the control of the when you're in fight mode, when you feel a violation of trust. Now, when you're in the flight mode, again, fleeing from that feeling of unsafe, you know, this is good because we need flight and fight mode, right? I'm not saying not to have those. We all need those. If there's a true unsafe experience, we should want to run and flee this. So we have these coping mechanisms as a survival skill. Now they're not helpful when that reality is not actually happening anymore. And again, we can talk a little bit more about this in a later episode, but when you're trying to escape a feeling of, of unsafety or be, being unsafe, some of the things, some of the coping mechanisms that can come up for you or for myself is irresponsibility. So you kind of just don't don't even take responsibility or accountability. You walk away from a lot of responsibility. You numb and you avoid, which is could be food, it could be television, it could be alcohol, which can lead to a lot of addiction and impulsivity, which was very true for me and continues to be. I can still operate in these when I'm not being careful. In this form of escape, there can be a lot of um, selfishness and minimizing of feelings, thought, experiences, and lastly, but you know, not exhaustive also is you can go into a withdrawal. So you just really t- remove yourself from every situation and any situation, right? When, when you're in this flight escape mode, you're trying to hide and you don't want anyone to be near you, see you, hear you, talk to you, right? So then as we were, were talking about this pain cycle, if we operate out of this, then people naturally have a response to your pain coping skills, right? People react to me a certain way if I'm acting out of anger, rage, or um, criticism, right? If I am withdrawing, if I'm becoming irresponsible with my duties at work or my ministry at church, right? There's going to be a reaction to that behavior because we're all human and we can see it, feel it, sense it. And so when someone else feels our pain, it can ultimately trigger their pain cycle. An example of this is, let's say I'm feeling unsafe in some meeting or such, and someone says something and I just it just triggers that for me in that moment. So I can become hypercritical or over-intellectual in that meeting and then someone else in that meeting could feel now very judge not heard like I'm talking over them and maybe one of their pain or violations of love or safety is not feeling heard and seen right and so when they go into that maybe they go into anger and rage so now they've upped their ante right so to speak and now they're raise their voice they're talking much louder than me and now again I now for sure feel unsafe when the volume starts to go up I didn't even go into my parents parenting style in this episode but that also plays into my feelings of unsafe feeling unsafe and unloved right when volumes start to go up in in interactions I definitely start to feel unsafe in an interaction because of the tonality that was used in my in my childhood again not to blame we all have imperfect 
perfectly placed parents. God designed it and designed us to be raised by, by our caregivers. Now, if one of your caregivers induced a lot of pain on you, I'm so terribly sorry. Those are one of the one of the hardest, most challenging um, pains to overcome because our parents or our caregivers are supposed to be our first caregivers, right? Like they're the ones who who take care of our needs. But if they're the ones who violated that that trust or that that love at an early age and kind of perpetuated that, whether through anger, rage. Um, unfortunately sex violence then then there's there's a lot more uncovering to do and some more digging to do and I'm not saying it's a lost cause it's not God is so much bigger than all of that and can help through the processing of that and restore that pain and remind us of who we truly are that we are his loved children we are safe under him and yes, there's going to be things in this world that we experience that are not safe. And like I've mentioned in the episode before, we wonder why. Why is there so much pain and brokenness and violations of these loves, you know, these acts of loves and, and, and safety at such a young age? And friends, again, I'm not here to end on a doom or gloom kind of message, but we we live in a broken world, right? We don't live in this heaven 100% world, right? We can, as I believe, followers of Christ and as son, sons and daughters of, of Jesus that we can bring down heaven with us here on earth, but ultimately we still live in a very physical world. So there are some very physical ramifications for that and there are some ills in this world that we're not meant to be here, but they're here, right? And that's the reason behind the pain that we continue to feel, whether it's abuse, um, severe illness, the list can go on, war, genocide, all the things. I'm not saying that that's the way life should be and we should just sit back and accept it. There are so many things we can do to intervene, to help, to support. But friends, like to even quote, like Gandhi, right? If you want to change the world, you got to change yourself. You got to look inwardly. There is nothing we can do if we're not addressing what's happening in our internal world. And so for me, that was true. I needed to look at these lies of I'm not loved and I'm not safe and attack them, right? And, and believe that I am loved and I am safe and I am worthy and I can operate from a place of peace. Not only because God says who I am, that like that's the main foundation on which I can stand on, on the days where I'm feeling like I'm ready to give up or I don't want to do this work. I don't want to record this episode because I feel blank. I feel unworthier, so to speak. So I can, can have a firm foundation that God says that's who I am. But I also know that I am in relationship with people in my world who believe that about me too, right? There's something so healing about our human interactions and God placed us in a social setting with other human beings so that we can be representations of who he is. So yes, I have a firm foundation that God says I am loved and I am worthy, but I also have built some strong foundations with my church community, but also my my loved ones, my parents, my siblings and 
my oh my goodness so many cousins who who truly love me and care about me and are checking in on me and are asking how am i doing right all of those things encompass the reality of who i really am and who i really belong to right i belong to a god who who says so many great things about his children and believes them are we capable of walking in an opposite direction and making some really tough choices in life absolutely but we're always capable of coming back always capable of taking a deeper look inside and saying okay i've believed these lies for a very long time and yes maybe i was hurt and i was violated but ultimately i can rest knowing that god has my back and has always had it and is now looking for me to take that next step in in faith and the next step in my journey, my next step in life, in my career, in my parenting, whatever it may be. Amiga, I leave you with that on this episode. Just knowing that we, we can operate from a place of pain, but we can also move into peace. And the next episode, I will really um, break down the peace cycle and what that means and what are some tools that you can use to kind of help you shift your mind a little bit, shift your perspective, and even just shift certain practices and habits that you've gone into. You know, teaser alert, I will talk a lot about taking a look at my um, addictive patterns and uh, tendencies and the things that I normally would go to for numbing and avoiding and how I took a a head-on approach and you know even as simple as what I do in my mornings and the nights and at night before I go to sleep right so to just reset and shift perspectives so friends and amiga thank you so much for tuning in today episode two talking about pain cycles and trauma cycles right I know I didn't get into a lot of it in terms of flight and fight and flight mode if that's something you were looking for. I can definitely create another episode on that. I'd love to hear your feedback um, if you want more of that. So let me know. Uh, post a comment or you know DM me. So thank you so much for being with me. I wish you a happy rest of your day and until next time. Amiga, that's a wrap for today. I pray this episode has blessed you in some way, brought you some clarity, or inspired you to take your next step in faith and healing. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, I would love to hear about it. And the best way to thank me is by leaving me a review and a comment on Apple Podcasts. You can also screenshot this episode and post me and tag me at Amiga Arise. I would love to connect with you and be on this journey with you. You can also join my Facebook group and meet other women on the same journey. So until next time, I'll be praying with you, Amiga. Arise and shine daily. And may we pray, move, and grow together. God bless.